We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Pod. Nick Whalen, Brandon Kravitz. We're back on the normal schedule, Brandon. Neither of us are sick for the first time in like a month. Yes. Uh, we've got the holidays behind us, thankfully. Uh, and we are presented by our good friends at Underdog. Uh, Underdog Fantasy is the number one platform for NBA best ball and DFS player pickup contests. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new users receive a first-time deposit bonus up to 100 bucks and a free six-month subscription to Rotowire. Just use the promo code RWNBA. That's RWNBA. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app today and use that promo code RWNBA to claim your free Rotowire subscription and deposit bonus. As you know, Brandon, I've been all over Underdog. Uh, I know you have, uh, you got some options down in Florida and Wisconsin. You know, it's, sports betting is not legal here. So that's where uh, a site like Underdog comes into play. I made the mistake of throwing in like three entries uh, this past Friday night and then going on a dinner date with my wife and her on the way there saying, wouldn't it be fun if we just put our phones away and neither of us had our oh, phone dear. out? And I was like, I can't really say no to that. Uh, but what you don't know is that I, I, I have three underdog entries that I've just, I'm just not going to check these for the next three hours. Like, what are we going to do? Turned out I, I, I adhered to that, you know, made a couple trips to the bathroom you know, had to make sure I brought the phone just to do a quick little check in. We won two out of the three, all right? So we're, we're loving playing on underdog. And, you know, especially, like, during the week. I, like, during the weekend, I'm a little bit more relaxed on it. But Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, it's like, what else do I have going on? I'm going to toss in some underdog entries. And I will say, last night, I was on the uh, the more on 24 and a half points for Zion Williamson. Did not see the Pelicans being up 25 points the entire night on the Nets and Zion barely playing. Yeah, leading scorer for the Pelicans uh, scored 16 points. So that uh, was sort of an oddity. You usually don't see a winning team with a leading scorer of 16. But you made a smart move. You got to keep the spouse happy. And if she suggests that, I think anytime anybody suggests that in a non-work situation, you ought to take them up on it. We're all on our phones so much. And if we're honest, you know, once you once you set those picks on underdog, I mean, I don't know why it works this way, but you're much more likely to hit if you're not stat watching. <laughs> you know, I, when I, whenever I stare at the screen is when guys just completely forget how to shoot yeah. the basketball. Well, I was I on the under for Joel Embiid guys. last night, so that felt that felt pretty good, uh, even though he had a triple-double. Yeah, hey, I, no, you're, you're, you are right. right. We'll have to investigate the science behind that at some point. I don't get it. I, I was on, a, I think it was points, rebounds, assists on Jaron Jackson a couple of nights ago, and I, I turned the game on while I was on the radio. He he literally went the entire third quarter without recording a single stat, point, rebound, or assist. He played the whole quarter and didn't do it. I'm like, I, I just have a hard time believing that would have been the case if I was not watching the game. Uh, but anyway, we will talk about some of our potential underdog leans for tonight, maybe later in the show. We got 12 games on the NBA slate on Wednesday, so we're finally back to kind of a normal NBA schedule. Things were really weird during the first month with the play-in tournament, but you know we got our big Mondays, big Wednesdays, big Fridays, and then Tuesdays and Thursdays tend to be those lighter slates. Uh, if you're watching along live, get those questions in the chat. We will hit those over the second half of the pod. We'll be going for about 45 minutes, so if you start stacking those questions up, we'll go rapid fire through those as we move along. Uh, Brandon, we have not really had an opportunity to discuss the OG Ananobi 
Manuel quickly, RJ Barrett deal that went down over the weekend. Uh, no episode on Monday with the holiday. I know Steve and, and Ken talked about it yesterday, but um, really fascinating trade in a lot of ways. Like normally when a trade like that comes down, immediately you're, you're talking about, all right, who won, who lost. And I don't really have too strong of feelings about it. We can talk about some of the fantasy ramifications. To me, it doesn't, this trade doesn't really change the calculus for either team. You know, it, it, I, I wonder what Toronto is going to do next, perhaps. For the Knicks, it's like, yeah, you get a nice asset in OG Ananobi. I, I don't think this vaults you into, you know, Milwaukee, Philly, Boston territory right now in terms of immediate title contention. Uh, but it was the rare deal where I, I think most reactions I saw were, okay, both teams kind of won or it's a net neutral for both. Like I, you, Usually you get you know an overreaction one way or the other where one team is, is accused of fleecing the other. I feel like that did happen. Um, I thought Toronto made out like bandits in this deal, getting a six-man-of-the-year candidate in Emmanuel Quickly, who's two years younger than uh, OG Ananobi, so you have a little more youth to deal with there. RJ Barrett in Canada uh, feels like a perfect fit, and he's already gotten off to a pretty good start. And keep in mind that that pick, usually we scoff at second-round picks, but that second round pick came from Detroit, which means it's basically going to be like a, a fringe first round pick. So even that's pretty good. You get three good, solid pieces. And I love the quickly uh, portion of this deal more than anything else. It puts it over the top uh, for a guy that's on an expiring contract. And I think he's going to extend with the Knicks. But you're not just trading for OG and Anobi. You're trading for a guy that you also have to now give an extension to. And is he really, like you just said, is he really changing the game that much? Are they that much better because they added OG and Anobi? I, um, I I think, hey, if it works and, and OG it plays the best version of basketball for himself and it clicks with the Knicks and all of that, then great. But they definitely paid a premium to bring him in for a guy that's been on the trade block for a yeah. year. Right. And I've always been of the belief that Ananobi is a little overrated. And it's like, you can't say that too loud because there's always going to be people that are like, hey, no, he's not. You don't understand his value. And it's like, all right, well, we're going on like year four of this now. Like, all right, is he going to take that next step forward? You know, and it just kind of feels like he's been mostly the same guy. You know, he's become a a, a more consistent shooter, I suppose, since early in his career. Uh, but really, it felt like he made his biggest leaps, you know, between like year one, year two, year two, year three. And since then, you know, he's been a very, very good role player, but I, I don't think he profiles to me as anything more than that. You know, it's like, can, can he ever really be a go-to scoring option? Maybe the Knicks don't really need him to do that, but I don't think their roster is loaded enough on top that swapping out Barrett and quickly for Ananobi really changes anything. I don't, I don't think they win more or fewer games. You know, I think it's just kind of a, a net neutral. Um, you know, the fantasy side of things, I don't think a whole lot changes for Ananobi either. Obviously, you know, we have a, a very small sample at this point, he's played one game, looked pretty good. 17 points, six rebounds, two steals, seven of 12 from the field, three of six from three. Again, I, I think he's the type of player that could slot in just about anywhere. Not somebody that you're ever probably going to ask to be like, hey, go be our number one option, number two option. Certainly that won't be the case in New York. The Toronto side of this to me is, is a lot more fascinating because you know they're bringing in two key players here. You already have you know, a, a bunch of guys who've been fantasy relevant on this roster. So not only are we talking about, okay, how does Emmanuel quickly, how does RJ Barrett fit in? But, you know, what does it mean in terms of down the line for, for someone like Dennis Schroeder who's all of a sudden coming off the bench? Yeah. And I, I, I and that's where uh, maybe it works out for the Knicks and they needed somebody else that they could rely on. They lacked that, uh, that other punch. They needed to do something to put this team over the top. Felt like a move of desperation more than anything else, but uh, but it's still, it could possibly work out. You talk about a guy that's uh, an elite perimeter defender that can knock down threes at a pretty efficient clip. He shot 50% from three-point range in his first game with the Knicks. And by the way, speaking of underdog plays, over 14.5 points tonight, I like it. The Bulls are on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, some tired legs there, and I think they want to continue to feed OG and Anobi to get him comfortable with that Knicks offense. So I, I, I like that. Uh, what about this uh, conspiracy theory that's out there? Have you seen this with, uh, with the OG and an OB trade that there's a uh, like dating back to like the court case between these two teams. Is this what this, we're alluding to? Uh, so this is relating to the, uh, the powerful agency known as CAA, which I, I guess is an agency that reps players. Leon Rose 
was the president of that agency. Yep. He's now the president of basketball operations for the Knicks. And since being hired, he has brought in Tom Thibodeau, who's a CAA guy, brought in Jalen Brunson, who's a CAA guy, and guess who is represented also in CAA? Is it OJ and Obi? That is correct. So <laughs> yeah. they are basically just stockpiling the Knicks full of guys that are repped by this agency. So um, not, it, it doesn't take a – once you figure that out, doesn't take a rocket scientist to start put the uh, start putting the pieces together, start connecting the dots. And when I saw that, I, that that that's what made me soften on it a little bit. I thought did they just trade all of this for OG and Anobi, who could leave at the end of the year? Um, but this guy's repped essentially by the guy who runs the Knicks. You know, no longer yeah. uh, officially affiliated, but uh, he's not going anywhere. And and so there, there's a there's a connection there. I think that's how all of this came together. I would be very surprised if they don't have a, you know, maybe not a Joe Smith handshake agreement, but uh, a pretty good indication that that he's going to resign. I don't think you make this deal uh, just chancing it. You know, I don't think you're renting OG Ananobi and giving up those kind of pieces if you don't think he's coming back. Um, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. But I want to go back to the Toronto side of things fantasy-wise, because again, to me, I don't think there's a major change in OG's value. You know, I think if you're if you're holding him in a league, you're not you're not panicking because all of a sudden he's on the Knicks. I, I think it, it is maybe it kind of goes up or down like five percent one way or the other. I don't think there is going to be a market change there. I think the player that most people, myself included, are excited to see now is, is Emmanuel Quickly because, you know, on a per minute basis, everybody's always loved him. He's been fantastic. For the most part, he was playing 22 to 26 minutes off the bench for the New York Knicks. We saw him start immediately on New Year's Day against Cleveland, played 28 minutes in a narrow victory, uh, did have four fouls. So, you know, maybe could have played a few more minutes had that not been the case. 14 points, six boards, three assists, two steals, two threes. Uh, what is the ultimate upside here because I think it's fun to say oh man he could take off you know he could be an all-star caliber player in Toronto I've seen a lot of that is that realistic is that something that could happen you know over the second half of this season or are we looking more long term 
with Emmanuel quickly. But what I will say is if, if, if you're holding him in a league, I would feel much better about his upside rest of season now than I did a week ago. Yeah, and, and we're already seeing that Toronto is willing to make deals to better their future. And I would think just based on um, the, the the player they gave up so that Emmanuel quickly is the most important part of that trade, they, they kind of have it in their mind that they're going to start building around that sort of player. And they have other pieces, but... What this tells me is that they're not done. I wouldn't be surprised if Pascal Siakam was on the move. I would be surprised if if they moved off of Scotty Barnes, but maybe that is the new core, is like a Scotty Barnes manual quickly with quickly being your primary scorer. Uh, I love it. I think he's got all sorts of potential. I'll go back to this. The guy is still only 24 years old. I think he's just scratching the surface. A sixth-man type that I think profiles to be more like uh, an elite sort of score starting score in in the NBA a guy that can make a Tyrese Maxey level jump um in terms of what he can bring to the table for a team Toronto's a great fit for him and and it seems like they're going to give him a big a big lane in which to uh grow you brought up the Tyrese Maxey comp and I think if you're a Raptors fan that's exactly what you're hoping happens and if you're a Knicks fan that's exactly what you're hoping does not happen uh right. the fact that those two guys were were teammates in college you know they were kind of a in my opinion, like a slightly less cool version of Monk and Fox. But I mean, Kentucky's had so many of those cool pairings over the years. It's like, I, I don't know. I, I could totally see that happening. I, I think we can't just take it for granted. You know, that was one thing I pushed back on a little bit on Twitter was everybody's like, oh, man, he's, he could be an all-star this year. I'm like, what do you mean? With the all-star games in like a month. Like, no, well, that's not going to happen. Next month? What are we talking about? <laughs> um, I, I don't I'm going to go on record and say I, I don't think a Tyrese Maxey level ascent is realistic. I mean, that is that's one of the, the bigger year to year jumps that we've seen in a while. I, I'm not saying Emmanuel quickly doesn't have that ability. I'm just saying I, I wouldn't expect that to happen. It doesn't happen very often, uh, but he's in the right spot for it. And, and like you said, Siakam has played so well over the last couple of weeks that on the one hand, if you're Toronto, maybe you reconsider whether or not you need to deal him. On the other hand, his value is probably at its highest point this season. And, you know, that's another guy who you're dealing with a contractual issue down the road. And I, I think the Raptors have always been pretty realistic. I think about where they stand in the NBA and they're 13 and 20. Exactly. Right like, well, you're not 20. going like, anywhere. Right. Got, they have just, to shake things up. I know. And if you're just buried in the fantasy stuff, you know, you're seeing, man, Siakam's playing really well. Scotty Barnes is having a crazy year. We love this trade. You, you kind of don't realize that this team has been out of the playoff mix for a while. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're like five games up on the Hornets right now. This is not a good situation. Um, and, and it's not like you're dealing with, with a, a crazy injury situation. This is just kind of what you are. And they've been this version of, of this team for the last couple of years. And they're just slowly decaying down the ranks in the Eastern conference. And the, then the guy that makes the most sense in terms of what you could get for him and, uh, and how much you would change the, the makeup of your roster is moving off of a guy, <clears throat> excuse me, like Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it makes too much sense. Uh, there, And this is a team that every once in a while, I start to think, you know, are, are they comfortable being stuck in the middle? And I have to remind myself, it's the same organization that made the trade for Kawhi Leonard. That was a super aggressive move, moving off of a fan favorite, uh, their top scorer and DeMar DeRozan. They were willing to do that. And then they've just kind of like parked it for the last couple of years. I think they want to get back to that level of aggressiveness, and then you know we'll we'll see how it turns out. Let's talk a little bit about the Tuesday night slate, and then we'll get to live viewer questions in a bit. Keep putting those questions in the chat. We will hit all of those uh, toward the end of the episode. We've got about 45 minutes, so we'll be uh, on until about 10.15 Central. But again, keep getting those in the chat, and we will hit those. Um, Boston OKC, one of the most fun games of the year. Uh, you know, a game that I believe Boston led by led by like two or three at the half and OKC goes on a big run in the third quarter. They were up as much as 18 at one point, And then Boston comes storming back, made this a close game, came down to free throws at the end. But when the dust settled, very impressive win for the Oklahoma City Thunder, 127-123. Another huge game for Chet Holmgren. Another huge game for SGA, who, who just gives you like 36 and six in his sleep. At this point, you know, Tatum played well, Porzingis played well. I mean, this was this was the rare regular season game that that almost had a, a playoff feel to it. And, you know, I think we we expect this for Boston, right? They're, they're going to show up for a game like this. But uh, a lot of the reaction last night was, okay, you know, we, we've always talked about OKC. Do they, they have the ammo to make a trade if they want to 
The question is, do they need to make a trade? And it, I, I would say no. And if anything, they should. I think they should try to shore up some of that bench depth rather than you know part ways with one of their key pieces because I, I want to see this core continue to grow together. Yeah, I mean, who, who are you trying to move off of? I, right. I like I like everything they've got going on in that starting lineup. So yeah, maybe you make a move to tweak some things in terms of bench guys or bring in. Um, bring in somebody that could be that sort of microwave off the bench, but they don't need to do anything to change their starting lineup. Not only is this a team that's winning right now in the regular season with the makeup that they currently have, I think it translates to winning in the postseason. When you have an elite ball handler that can score at will, that you can put the put the ball in their hands late in games and in tight game situations at sort of final two minutes that you look for, you have to have a guy like that. You know, Tatum is that for the Celtics. Shea Gilgis Alexander is that guy, and he can defend. Um, so this is this is a team that I think is ascending a lot quicker than maybe we thought that they would. But mm-hmm. last night, I don't think it's an overreaction to say that could have been a preview of the NBA Finals. I, I think it absolutely could be, and you know, I'm never going to write off Denver. They're what a half game behind OKC right now, so it's not like the Thunder are, are running away with anything. Uh, they're a game back of Minnesota in the Western Conference. Like I, Denver, to me, at full strength is still the team you have to go through. Uh, but you know, other than that, do you, do you really trust the Clippers? Do you trust teams like the Lakers or the Suns? That's pretty hard to nope. do right now. And then then you kind of get into some of those other younger, unproven teams: Minnesota, Sacramento, New Orleans. Um, to me, OKC is the class of that that secondary group and. You know, historically, you have to take your lumps. You got to make a run or two where you come up short before you make it to the NBA Finals. But it, to me, this could be the the unique year where maybe you don't have to do that just because of the relative lack of a juggernaut in the Western Conference. So I'm with you. I, I think that absolutely could be a Finals preview. I don't think Oklahoma City necessarily needs to do anything uh, to beef up this roster. But again, I, I think if they could add, you know, if they could add Jordan Clarkson from Utah or even, you know, Kelly Olenek, I, I think getting a backup five behind Chet Holmgren because if, if Chet Holmgren picks up three fouls in the first half of, of a Western Conference Finals game against the Nuggets, you know that that would be my concern. It's like you know who do you throw at Jokic? I don't I don't love that matchup for Holmgren. I know people have said like oh Jared Allen from the Cavs like that'd be great. I, I think you might have to pay a little more than you want. Yeah, for Jared I don't Allen. think you like, can pull that off. You just hey, the Magic body. have about three centers that they could go trade for. Right. I was going to say the Magic. I mean, the Pistons have like eight centers on their roster. Not that any of them are that appealing, but. I just think you need like a you need like a twelve minute a game Bismack Biombo type. Yeah, you just need another body that you can throw at him. That's all you're trying to do. You're not stopping Jokic. You're just trying not to completely uh, take the, your starting big out of the game entirely. I'm looking at the odds right now. Thun- the Thunder twenty to one to win the NBA championship. I think that honestly, I think that may have shifted after last night. I think that that's how big that win was. I, I believe that they were they were their longer odds as of yesterday. But this is the one that I would like better is for them to represent the West at nine to one, um, because I still think Boston or if Milwaukee gets there, uh, it'd be tough to win that in a seven game series. But in terms of representing the West, because of all the reasons that you just mentioned, the the Suns can't stay healthy. I don't trust the Clippers as far as I can throw them. The Warriors are a broken down version of themselves. The Lakers are old and Denver is still Denver, but you're dealing with championship fatigue and guys like um, uh, Michael Porter who's dealt with injuries. Jamal Murray's dealt with injuries. Yeah, guys only... get bit by dogs. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, you got to watch out for that. You know, Aaron yeah. Gordon don't know what he, what's going on there. I put a leash on that thing. Uh, but you know, the, it's hard to do it twice. We've yep. seen that. It's not an it, it's not an easy thing to do. The greatest teams in NBA history have been able to pull it off. Are the Thunder that team? You know, we'll see. But um, I think the Thunder have as good a chance as anybody else. And it's not just based on what we saw last night. Like we don't want to sound that overreactionary here yep. on the podcast. But I just think that it's a little bit of a wake up call that they absolutely mm-hmm. do belong. It's not just what they did against Boston. Yep. They beat Minnesota recently as well. They're taking down the heavyweights, and they and and they're um, and they're doing it in a way that I think translates to postseason success. I think you're right that you don't want to put too much weight on one game, but I, at some point you got to put weight into these games, right? This I mean, becomes there's, a there's talking point. I, I don't, right? You know, you definitely don't. I mean, the Magic beat the Celtics, and they're not winning the championship, so it's oh. not about one single game 
It's just that that one game then leads us to talking about something that we were already thinking anyway. Right. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, we have a great odds comparison page uh, or an odds tracking page, I guess would be more accurate, over at Rotowire on our sports betting site. So you are right, Brandon. I'm seeing the Thunder at 22 to 1 right now to win the finals on DraftKings. Prior to tip off last night, they were 30 to 1. And about two and a half weeks ago, they were 50 to 1. Wow. Yeah. So I, and, and it's so tough because I feel confident in saying that they've got as good a chance as anybody else. Yeah. And you get some pretty good odds on that, but you you also feel like you really miss the boat. You know, if I'm betting twenty to one, knowing that just two weeks ago there was a fifty to one out there, it's tough to stomach that yeah. sort of thing. I don't know that I can take the plunge, but um, I, I would I would just say it's not a bad idea if your future's better. All right, I want to hit a few more things, and we'll get to the listener questions again. Keep throwing those in the chat. We'll go rapid fire over the last fifteen minutes or so. Uh, I'm looking at the Yahoo MVPs page. So this is the players that appear most frequently on the top 500 uh, fantasy basketball teams hosted on Yahoo. And, you know, we, we it's kind of been a, a two-man race between Scotty Barnes and SGA for most of the year. We have a new leader as of this morning appearing on 23% of the best teams in fantasy basketball, Derek White. Wow. That's Derek surprising White. to me. It's been a very quiet year uh, as far as you know the, the the numbers that he's putting up. I think outside of Boston, there's not been a ton of talk about Derek White. I think he's like the the sixth most talked about player on on that team. But probably seventeen points, four rebounds, five and a half assists, one point two steals, one point three blocks, almost fifty percent from the field, almost ninety percent at the line. So I, I think maybe he's having a better fantasy season than real life. I mean, it's been a great season in real life, but you know, comparatively to other players on his own team, you don't really notice some of those efficiency numbers. Uh, but I mean, he's been a, a top 25 player in eight category leagues. Yeah. And it's somebody that we probably should have taken a little more seriously in, in, in the pre-draft process because of the opportunity that he was given uh, with the trade of uh, our, uh, you know, Marcus smart being shipped off to, uh, to Memphis and he and he played a big role in the playoffs as well. So this is this was sort of bubbling to the surface. He's a really good player. He knows his role, and like he's around some of the best players in the NBA. So you know this is a little bit like Steve Kerr with the Bulls back in the day. If you want a real throwback, um, a guy that's just able to shine because when you have to focus your defensive efforts on the Celtics, you're not not really paying a lot of attention to Derek White, but he's efficient enough to get it done. Yeah, I just wanted to highlight that because I think, you know, again, unless you're super locked in, you might not realize just how valuable he's been. Yeah. And I know there's been some talk of maybe he sneaks out of the all-star team in the Eastern Conference. We'll see about that. But certainly been one of the fantasy all-stars so far. I, uh, I, I drafted him in uh, the, the Vegas draft that we did at Circa back in July. I was sort of stuck in, I don't remember what round it was, but it was it was later in the draft. And that was one of those where we didn't have anything in front of us. We're just drafting players off the top of our heads and um and i went okay so i i need some guard help here who's gonna be a factor that's getting starting minutes and uh Derek white was uh was one of them so he's help he's helping uh, also i think maybe my roster is part of the percentage of that one team that i have Derek white it's uh he's helping a lot i think you, you maybe need to draft more teams where you're just like hopping out of the pool sprinting into a cabana and just shouting someone's name and then jumping back into the pool Honestly, it was uh, it was the it was the best. So I uh, I don't disagree with that. I think we need to do a quick story time. By the way, uh, so I, I received a photo out of nowhere over the weekend from Alan Soslowski of him, you know, kind of bombarding you at what appeared to be Amway Arena yep. in Orlando. Uh, how, Kia how did Center this now. Speed up, come You're, to me. Amway Center. That's right. The Kia. They're called the Kia Center now. Uh, Amway has been stricken from the record books over at the downtown arena. Uh, so I got a text about two days before the game from Alan saying, Hey, um, I'm going to be in Orlando. Are you going to be at the magic Knicks game? And I said, well, I work, uh, the pregame and postgame for the magic. So I'm at every game. So I think I might make my way to that one. And, uh, and he said, yeah, he, we, we scheduled a meetup. Told him where I was at. I can't really move from my post, and I'm really bad at it. Even though I've been in the same spot for like six years, I'm really bad at explaining how to find me in the arena. 
because like I know where to go, but I don't pay attention to the sections and all of that. So credit to him with my shoddy description of how to find me. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, I'm typing away on my computer. I feel a tap on my shoulder, and there's Alan. And we bro hug it out, and we talk about the Magic Knicks and uh, how old Taj Gibson is. Sure. And then, <laughs> and then we took a picture and thought, you know, you and uh, John McKechnie had to see it. So uh, not often that we get to rub shoulders with each other in this virtual remote world that we live in. So it was cool to see Alan, somebody I really look up to in the fantasy space. We had him on the XM show last night. He said that was his first NBA game in 15 years. What? 15 years. Wow. And he saw a magic dub, too. (laughs) Things have changed, man. I Um, didn't realize he lives in Jacksonville. He does. He does. You guys just chopping it up about Jags football all the time or what? Uh, Look, so. I think he's a Giants fan. He's a Jets fan, I believe. Jets fan. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm a Jaguars fan from Green Bay. He's a Jets fan who lives in Jacksonville, so we, we there's not a whole lot of crossover there. I mean, obviously, I'm envious of, of where he lives, although I have no ties to the city of Jacksonville. I've been there once; it was fine, you know. Yeah, it's well, all right. It wasn't like man, I, God, I wish I. It wasn't. It didn't feel like a true pilgrimage. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville's not going to blow you away. They have some nice beaches, <laughs> and they've got the Jags. That's about it. There are a lot of uh, jean shorts. I'll tell you that. Yeah, a lot of jean shorts, yes. and that was as expected. Um, all right, let's get to the chat here. We got some questions piling up again. Keep getting those in. We'll hit as many as we can. Uh, we got about 15, 20 more minutes here. Uh, Chad says, what's up guys. What do you think the trade does for Dante DiVincenzo's dynasty value? He seems to very clearly be a Tibbs guy and seemed like a future breakout guy before he left the bucks. Good question. Uh, you know, DiVincenzo, I think did look like he was on the ascent in Milwaukee had that, I believe it was like a foot ankle injury that, it took him like a year plus to recover from and he was just never quite the same player. And obviously Milwaukee had kind of moved into a different phase as a team by the time he was back. And and now he's bounced around and feels like he's found what could be kind of a second permanent home now with the Knicks. And, you know, that's something that we didn't really touch on as far as, you know, other ramifications from the trade is Dante DiVincenzo had already been in the starting lineup since mid December. He started 13 games in a row. Um, You know, he's played 36 and 26 minutes respectively over the last two games, I, I think we have to view the trade as a positive, right? You're sending out two guards and you're bringing back a wing. Um, you know, the Knicks did bring back Malachi Flynn as well. He's injured and also barely played in Toronto. We'll see if he becomes a uh, part of that rotation. But yeah, I, I think I think DiVincenzo is certainly a winner rest of season. And we'll see what the Knicks do this offseason. But I, I think if you're talking about dynasty value, the, the arrow's got to be pointing up. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that that was part of what led to the Emmanuel quickly trade. I just saw just reading the tea leaves of some angry Knicks fans on Twitter before the trade. They were all confused as to why DiVincenzo was getting a lot of Emmanuel quickly's workload. And it seemed like quickly's minutes were going down, not up, despite being a really productive player. There must be something that Tibbs sees in Dante DiVincenzo. We know how Tom Thibodeau is. He gets his mind and his heart set on certain players and then plays them to death. And uh, and and it seems like DiVincenzo is one of those guys. He still craters out sometimes and is just not there offensively. But, but he's a guy, look at what he did a couple nights ago, capable of 38 points uh, that he scored. You don't get to play the Pacers every night, but uh, still an effective shooter, good three-point shot, and is somebody that's going to be a factor uh, as long as Tom Thibodeau is the coach. All right, Cowchad TTV says, "What's up, guys? What do you think this does for?" Oh wait, never mind. That's the exact same question. We got two different two different chats. All right, um, can't have enough chats. Yeah. All right, that that one's on me. I got I got got. Uh, Paul says, "I just traded Booker, Kobe White, and Keontae George for Donovan Mitchell and CJ McCollum." Says I'm a little worried about McCollum's health issues. What do you guys think? So let's yeah, let's just do a trade analysis here, Brandon. Um, it's a lot. It seems like a lot to give up. Uh, yeah. Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker. I don't view those two all that different in the fantasy space. Kobe White. I like the idea of moving off of him, but I don't think you sold high on him. Yeah. Uh, and then and Keontae George is a very tradable piece. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm not in love with the deal. I would I would say a, um, I would give you a C minus. Yeah, I mean, I if you're worried about McCollum's health issues then I don't know why you, why you make this deal. You know, I, I, 
what we should say is Donovan Mitchell is the best fantasy player in the deal, right? And I, I think he's still going to have a nice runway here with Mobley out, with Garland out, where he could put up crazy numbers. And like as soon as that happened, Donovan Mitchell got sick and missed a few games. So it's like, all right, we didn't really see what that could look like. I want Mitchell over Booker. Obviously, I want Mitchell over Kobe White. I think Kobe White versus McCollum rest of season is, is like an interesting debate. Probably lean White. Uh, to me, I'm not a Keontae George guy, Brandon. It depends what format you're in. Like if you're in a points league, I get it. The percentages, the turnovers really kill you in eight or nine cat. Um, so like to me, that's just kind of a throw in in the deal. So it's like if, if you're just saying Booker and Kobe White versus Mitchell and McCollum, I I think that's a pretty fair deal either way. It's kind of an eye of, eye of the beholder thing. But again, if you're worried about McCollum's health, I think I would have just tried to hold on to Kobe White. Yeah, I just don't think that Donovan Mitchell is enough of an upgrade over Devin Booker. I know we've got the big three playing together again, but Devin Booker is like the de facto point guard, and his assist numbers are going to be insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just I think he could have done a little bit better. Don't hate it, but yeah. I'm not in love with it. Especially with you, you're already paranoid about CJ. I hate trading for guys that I'm already yeah. worried about. You trade away guys you're worried about. All right, Eric says, Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year to you as well, Eric. I need Brandon to keep saying good things about Franz Wagner. Last time he said his field goal percentage would be closer to last year's number, he went on that heater. Thank you, guys. This is true. Uh, Well, I I mean, I would love to take the credit for that, but it's really Franz doing all the work here. Uh, He he figured it out. He figured out how to just be more aggressive. He's getting to the cup. much with much more frequency I, I don't know if it was a tired legs things playing in the FIBA world tournament and he and he played all the way through they won a championship with Germany I think it just took him a minute to kind of get his sea legs under him this year but look at what he's done over the last several games 25 27 32 24 28 and he does it so efficiently he's always shooting over 50 percent um yeah I mean it, I don't know how much nicer I can get. He's playing like a legit all-star. It's funny because Paolo is probably going to be the guy. I don't think two Magic players make it to the all-star game. Uh, But Franz deserves it over Paolo. But Paolo will make it because I I guess the perception game is that Paolo is the star of this team. Franz Wagner, with with what he can do, the range that he has. Paolo's gotten better at his three-point shot. It's a really good part of Franz Wagner's game. And... um, I think he's just been he's been invaluable and he brings it on defense too. So um I hope that was nice enough for you. I think he's one of the five most underrated players in the league still. He's amazing. And I don't I don't think I haven't really heard anybody talking about him as an all-star, and he's absolutely deserving to be in the conversation. And I think you're right that it's a lot to ask for the magic to get to. And and Ben Carroll's obviously the much more popular player. Um, you know, somebody who's going to do better in an all-star voting type of situation. But yeah, Wagner's been incredible. Um, fun game last night against the Warriors, by the way, where Wagner yeah. played well. You know, Jalen Suggs hit, hit a few threes. I, the Magic went 14 of 36 as a team. I feel like when I was watching the game, they missed every wide open three possible. I don't know how they got to 14 on the night. I feel like if, if Suggs just made a couple more, they probably win that game. I don't know. Maybe I was just watching at the wrong times. But well, was, they got off to a really good start. They were right. it was like 10 to two out of the gate, and then Steve Kerr called a timeout. Kind of steadied the ship, but the Magic were making shots early on in that game. I think yeah. it helped to buoy some of those percentages. That's the issue that you see with this team, but it's it's where Fra- Franz Wagner is so valuable in fantasy, but it's frustrating when you watch the, mm-hmm. the Magic and uh, IRL in real life because they don't have that other guy that's Paolo and Franz and in the fourth quarter, and that's it. They don't have anybody else that they can rely yeah. on, so they've got to figure that out. Are we are we done with Wendell Carter? By the way, I know we we got a bunch of questions about him over the last few weeks. Like, you know, he's he's coming off the bench now. He started a couple of games. He's still playing like 20, 25 minutes max. The numbers have been terrible. Like, can we can we just set this aside for now and not worry about him in fantasy? Yeah, I mean, and right now Jamal Mosley is, I think, still uh, hiding behind the the injury ramp up being part of the reason why now he's coming off the bench and Goga Bataze is getting the starting nod over him. Goga Bataze has just been a better player in terms of in the mix of this starting lineup than Wendell Carter Jr. has been. I, I, I don't know exactly what it is. Um, he's dealt with, he, he, he had a hand injury, then came back and dealt with some lower leg soreness. So just seems like it's a conditioning thing, but He's not as good a defender, and this is a team that hangs their hat on defense. So Goga isn't going anywhere. In terms of fantasy, I think you're good to move off of Wendell Carter Jr. I know he had a good scoring output uh, a couple of nights ago, but 
it just doesn't seem like he's going to get the work consistently. Maybe a guy that you pick up again in the future. All right, we got a couple questions from Kimron. He says, I grab quickly, drop Pajemski, hoping that doesn't bite me later. I would rather have quickly out of those two. Um, you know, if you're in a if you're in a deeper league, both should obviously be rostered. But if you're in a shallow league, that's a decision you probably have to make. And again, I, I think you did the right thing grabbing quickly. Uh, he also says, realistically, how long is Drummond a hold for? Uh, I mean, he's been a, a machine <laughs> over the last week and a half, as you'd expect, um, as he always is, whenever he gets the minutes. Uh, we got an update on Vucevic earlier this week, Brandon. I came yesterday morning from, from Billy Donovan. He said there is no clear return timetable for Nikola Vucevic. He said Vucevic will not practice at all this week. Uh, Bulls play on the second night of a back-to-back tonight. They play Friday at home against Charlotte. So obviously Vooch won't play in either of those games. Then they're at Charlotte next Monday, a couple of home games on a four-game week. I would say Vucevic is out until at least the middle of next week. Uh, we've also seen the, the Bulls kind of you know play this game with Zach Levine for the last month. And who knows, you know, trade deadline's coming up. All-star break is coming up. I don't, I'd be surprised if it, if it runs that long. I don't think they're necessarily holding Vooch out to trade him in the same way that I think they're doing with Zach Levine. But this very quickly went from, oh, you know, it could be a week to could be two to three weeks. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what's going on in Chicago because I thought for sure they were holding Zach Levine out for um, for the trade deadline. But now they're talking about ramping him back up and, and getting him ready. He should be back within the next week. Sure. So it, it, do they bring him back just so that they can put him in a showcase or why even bother? Teams know what Zach Levine is. I don't yeah. think it's all that necessary. It does feel like a similar thing is going on with Vooch right now. I was dead wrong on Andre Drummond. I thought after we saw that 24 point, 25 rebound performance last week, that that was, that was it. We aren't going to get that again. And he's, he's been putting up these ridiculous numbers, 16, 23, 17 rebounds over the last three games. He continues to do it. If I'm Chicago, I'm like, why do, what do I need Vooch for? Look at what Andre Drummond yeah. is bringing to the table, really turning back the clock. These are old school Drummond numbers that we've seen recently. Yeah. All right, let's go rapid fire through the rest of these, Brandon. We got about five more minutes, and we're out of here. Uh, Chad says on the Toronto deal, does it make it less likely that we see any of Grady Dick the rest of the season? I say yes. Just you know, again, it's kind of the reverse of what we talked about with New York. You're sending out a wing, and you're bringing back two guards. And I know you know Grady Dick has the size that he could conceivably play the three. To me, he's more of a two at the NBA level. And I think quickly and Barrett obviously take precedent over that. Now they did send out Malachi Flynn in some ways a direct competitor for minutes, although he's more of a point guard, Dick more of a, a shooter, a wing. I just, I, I think they view this as a developmental year for Grady Dick. I think they will be, you know, maybe later in the season, especially if Toronto really takes a step back. I think he could, you know, see 15, 20 minutes if they just want to showcase him at the end of the year. But, you know, they've, he's been bouncing back and forth between the G League. So he's obviously much more of a dynasty asset at this point. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is a guy that uh, he's, he's just not ready for the prime time of, of NBA basketball just yet. They're not ready to put him in that position. And we see that more often than not uh, with the, with these rookies, especially guys that were drafted after the uh, the top 10. Grady Dick is a guy that should turn into a pretty nice NBA player, but it doesn't happen for everybody overnight. There are just too many good players out there to speculate on to hold Grady Dick at this point. Austin asks, Draymond and Keldon Johnson for Jalen Johnson and Dante DiVincenzo. Who wins that trade? 10-team points league. Uh, I'll let you answer first. Uh, well, I'm just not all that interested in having Draymond Green on my team. We still have no idea when he's going to come back. So yeah. I feel like that's sort of a dead piece to this deal. Keldon Johnson, okay, but he can be uh, somewhat erratic. I like what I'm seeing out of Dante DiVincenzo. We talked about him. And Jalen Johnson, what a surprise piece he's been for the Hawks this year. So I think the second part of that deal is the is the winner here, especially in a 10-team league. Yeah, I think with it being a points league, I like I like Draymond and I like Kelton Johnson more. But I still, I'd still prefer the Jalen Johnson, DiVincenzo side of this one. Um, Ant says, I need threes and I'm willing to trade Tobias Harris. Uh, who can I get in return? Hmm. Uh so Tobias Harris having a nice year, uh, as he always does. He's going to somehow finish like 55th, uh, right where he does every season. Uh, but you need you need high volume three pointers. So, hmm, you can attach somebody to Tobias Harris. You know, somebody a, a little bit lesser, and you know maybe you target someone like CJ McCollum, someone like Terry Rozier, someone like Tyler Hero. You know, guys who, who rank ahead of 
Tobias Harris. Um, and again, you probably need to attach an asset there. If you're just, you know, if you're just targeting three pointers, then I think you can aim a little bit lower and, you know, like Bogdan Bogdanovich has been hitting a ton. Yep. Uh, even Bojan Bogdanovich in Detroit, you know, Devin Vassell. These are all guys that are averaging at least two and a half threes per game. You know, Michael Porter, Max Struess, those guys are all in that conversation. Yeah, you could get a couple of those Heat guys as well. Um, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson yep. uh, would be somebody that you could target. We talked about Derek White. I mean, he's, uh, well, we mentioned it earlier, 23% of, yep. um, of, of winning fantasy basketball rosters right now. So maybe you want to get a hold of him. I don't think that's information that many people know. Uh, so if you add Derek White, um, it looks like that's translating to wins. Uh, he would be somebody that I would be willing to target. Um, Fred Van Vliet in Houston, guys like that. Mm -hmm. uh, quick question on Draymond. When is he back? Any updates? Start of next week, maybe. Maybe. Uh, the Warriors, <laughs> we got like a kind of Can we get Steve update. Kerr on the podcast real quick? Yeah, I mean, we have, it's been over a week since we've had any sort of update. And the last one said he the suspension may last 11 to 13 games. Like, okay, very strange time period. That came from Woj. Uh, if, if that timetable were to hold up, that would mean he could be back as soon as this Friday or sometime in the next week. I, I don't know. I mean, the Draymond thing, I feel like we're just going to, we're going to find out like the, the morning of a game and he's just going to be back. Um, you know, it's very vague. It's a unique situation. There's not really a blueprint for a player having to kind of check off boxes like this. So my guess is he's back in the next two weeks. I'd be pretty surprised if it extends beyond that, but even so, I just, I still don't really want him in, in fantasy. It's been a diminishing asset, I think for a few years now. Yeah, I mean, look at what you were getting before the suspension. It wasn't really anything that was, I think, driving wins for you. Mm -hmm. And maybe Nick is right that it, he just you wake up one morning and all of a sudden Draymond Green is back and active. I have a feeling there's going to be more of a ramp-up process where the first report you get is Draymond Green is back with the Golden State Warriors. Mm -hmm. that'll, that'll be the headline. And we don't even have that yet. It seems like both sides are... It's it's like uh, it's like Ross and Rachel from Friends. They're on a break right now, and they are yeah. not speaking to each other. All right, Steve-O says, I got offered Cat and Kaminga for OG and Claxton. This is a 12-team, 11-cat league. Uh, this is a really, really interesting trade because, obviously, Cat's the best player in the deal. Kaminga's the worst player in the deal. OG and Claxton combined. Um, I think this is fair. It's something that I, it's almost a trade that I would be like terrified to make because I feel like I'm getting yeah. burned one way or the other, which means it's probably a good trade. Yeah. And I'm, I, I like the fantasy viability of OG and Anobi with the, uh, with the Knicks, at least as of right now, it's a, it's a good player in a new scene, fresh, new toy kind of feeling. So I, I, I do worry that sometimes we do this in every sport, whether it's fantasy basketball, baseball, football, when we get a semi-star player in a new Jersey, we tend to overrate them a little bit. So I worry that that could be happening here, but definitely like what I've seen. Don't want to just dismiss it entirely. Uh, I like what I saw from Kaminga last night and watching that Magic Warriors game, 19.6 rebounds, four assists, a couple of blocked shots. Uh, if that's the Kaminga that we're going to get, the first side of that deal is definitely the winner. Um, I would still take Cat and Kaminga, but I, I think it's a very interesting offer to ponder. Ivy, Brandon Miller, Cam Johnson. Who do you want rest of the way? 14-team league. Hmm. I I think I would go with Brandon Miller. Uh, quietly a guy that is in the rookie of the year conversation. Won't win it um, because the the two guys that are in front of him have been so incredible. Uh, but he, is, he has been really good in his own right. Really good outside shooter. Um, and it just seems like he's really comfortable out there. Going to continue to get more of a runway, especially with all the injuries the Hornets have been dealing with and some of the old guys they could end up yeah. shipping off like Gordon Hayward. Last 18 games for Brandon Miller, 16 points, three and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, about one and a half steals and blocks combined, 43, 45, 87 percentages. So that's I, great. I think that's the field goal percentage is what you worry most about with him. And, you know, it's going to go up and down, but he's been on a really nice run and, um, you know, is it, is it a tough spot too? I mean, Charlotte's getting just housed basically every night, except for last night against the Kings. So, um, yeah, I would, I, I think Miller versus Johnson is really interesting. Cam Johnson to me is probably the safer option. It, it, it kind of depends like, you know, where you are in your league. If like, if you're choosing one or the other, if you need to move up the standings, maybe I just chance it with Brandon Miller. I think Cam Johnson's going to give you a more consistent 15.7 rebounds, couple threes, better percentages. 
Ivy is just not a consideration here. Like I'm, I'm still interested, intrigued by what he could be as a player going forward. He's in a different like fantasy category for me than the other two. Yeah, it, and as much as I can get away from players on the Pistons with the last name that isn't Cunningham, I'm yeah. uh, I'm good doing that. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll end on this one, Brandon. Another Pistons question from Chad. He said, "One more question: Who do you think ends up getting shipped out from the glut of same type of players in Detroit?" Great question. This could, in a lot of ways, you know, shape the fantasy landscape if you're if you're working the margins the rest of the way. I'm going to say Bojan Bogdanovich probably gets traded at some point. Yeah, he's the most I mean, likely. Really, anybody could get traded other than Cade. I, you know, I, I think Isaiah Stewart would have suitors. I think, you know, I mean, even even guys like Alec Burks, Joe Harris, you know, it's like there, there are some teams that would maybe just want some veteran depth later in the season. But I guess the question is, one, who gets shipped out, two, who benefits? Um, I'm, yeah, I, the shipped out part, I think, is easier to figure out. Yeah. Bogdanovich is tier one in terms of if you were, if you were setting odds in Vegas, he'd be like minus 300 to be dealt at the deadline. And then Isaiah Stewart, Marvin Bagley probably would be next. I think those, those guys, Achillean Hayes, I wouldn't be surprised if he got traded in terms of who gets a bump. I mean, Cade Cunningham's already he's not going to get a bump. If anybody leaves, he is what he is. I think it could honestly be Jaden Ivy. And I, I think if he just ends up in, 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 uh, with more usage, maybe he develops more into a player that we like in fantasy, Asar Thompson, maybe he comes back into our good graces, but I don't, I don't think I'd feel, I mean, where do you land on that? I wouldn't feel great about anybody. If a couple of these players end up getting shipped yeah. off, I'll just kind of shrug my shoulders and go, okay, this is what it looks like now. I think Asar is the obvious one because we've already seen it. But no, you you kind of said what was on my mind, which is like, all right, let's say they trade, uh, you know, trade Alec Burks, trade Joe Harris, trade Isaiah Stewart. It's like, all right, Kevin Knox time, baby. Like, are, are you yeah. really excited for Isaiah Livers? Like, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird situation because the minutes would be there and, and technically the production would be there, but I'm not I'm not super fired up uh, about any of those guys. So no, I I think. It's more about Bogdanovich. You know, where does he end up? Does his value slide? You know, if, if he ends up on a contending team where he's not being asked to do quite as much, um, yeah, it's uh, it's not a good situation in Detroit. I, I think that's pretty much all we can say about that. All right, fellas, we got to be on our way out. Brandon, uh, appreciate chatting with you as we do every Wednesday morning. We'll be back at this time next Wednesday. Uh, we'll have Alex, Ken, and Shannon on Friday. We will have the OGs, Rick and Dr. A coming at us tomorrow. So get some questions in on their streams. You can comment on our YouTube videos. You can hit us up on Twitter as well. We will answer all of your fantasy questions there throughout the week, throughout the season. And as always, we appreciate everybody who chimed in on the chat. Brandon, enjoy the rest of the week, man. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys.